This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. Kia ora. You're listening to The Locals on Free FM 89.0, or Dan Armstrong Tokoengawa. During this lockdown, I've been bringing you stories and information so we can all have an understanding of what's happening and comprehend how to move forward. And we continue that today with three more conversations from the Waipa area. So let's crack into it. There are a number of community groups still operating, but who supports them? Well, one of those key supports is Community Waikato. So I had a chat with Karen Stockman about what groups are going through and advice for what comes next. I think people have found it very hard to think about the future, uh, you know, in the in the current climate, and that's understandable. A lot of our community organisations are involved in frontline social well-being uh, kind of activities or services. So they've been very focused on being able to maintain those key services or those essential services that they have um, offered in the past. And I think um, that will continue to be a, a focus for people. Um, there's a lot of uh, work being done by groups uh, thinking about how to offer what they do um, provide remotely, how to do that safely within the current constraints of um, alert level four, and certainly when we go down to alert level three, the things they need to do to be able to maintain that. So one of the biggest challenges for a lot of community organisations has been access to the hardware that they need to actually operate remotely. So staff having access to um, appropriate, uh, you know, technology to be able to, uh, you know, for example, if you're a counselling or um, a, a kind of a social service that's involved in engaging with people, having the technology to operate Zoom meetings, um, to be able to, to stay in touch. It's difficult to think about the future right now, but do you have any advice for governance groups and managers? Uh, thoughts that they need to start having at the back of their mind as we head into, ne- into the next phase of all of this? I think looking after their people is um, of great importance. And as you were just, just talking about prior to this interview, you know, having uncertainty in terms of the future is a hard place for people to operate in. And so when we have staff and volunteers being able to communicate regularly and clearly with them about the current circumstances and the implications of that are quite important. Being able to navigate your way around the various different um, strategies and support mechanisms that are out there to keep organisations going. 
the company's office, for example, have been very clear that um, that incorporated societies or chari charitable trusts may not be able to meet their legal and procedural responsibilities at this time and offering some uh, leniency around how that happens. But the important thing I think for managers and for governance groups is to actually be really aware of what their founding document, their trust deed or their constitution obligates them to do and actually having a think about um, whether they've got any latitude to do things electronically um, and if they haven't, making amendments maybe to allow that to occur. Um, but also communicating with places like the company's office and charity services to make sure that you're still able to operate. I was chatting with some community groups and they were worried about some funding they were applying for and had hoped to receive. Are you worried about any of the funding mechanisms and the financial consequences of this pandemic? I think we'll see the impact on funding probably a little bit, a little bit further down the track when we start to see what's available in, in the, you know, the coming year, really, in terms of the, the impact, the financial impact of this pandemic. Um, but certainly uh, my, or our experience at Community Waikato with funders is that they're being very responsive in terms of trying to think about not only how they are funding um, organisations in this current time and you may or may not be aware of the Waikato Funders Group that has come together to create a new pool of funding specifically in response to the COVID-19 circumstance and its impact on organisations. So if people don't know about that, that's a good thing to go and have a look at. Um, and they're taking regular uh, applications for funding support. So that's where a lot of people are going to get their technology needs uh, addressed, you know, to look for funding for their technology needs. But in terms of the operational funding that we've relied on to do business as usual, that's a, that's a, um, a little bit of an unknown environment at the moment. And I think as we move out of le level four alert and down into level three and so on, something that Community Waikato will definitely be exploring with, with funders and with community organisations. Even though you're working remotely, what services are you and Community Waikato still providing? So we're still able to do all of that advisory work um, via telephone or email or um, video calling, um, Zoom or, or uh, Microsoft Teams. So we're still able to work with people on a one-to-one -one basis. We're still available for those conversations. Um, we have, you know, so we've been, for example, last week, we still had a manager's forum via Zoom and we had 27 participants in that. So we're still able to facilitate networks, just doing it differently. Now we know that that's fine for people who have access to technology, but again, that's a challenge for those groups that don't. 
and may in fact be one of the areas of um, development that those groups might want to look at and seek funding for, as, as I said earlier, um, in regard to some of the new funding that's available. So we're still able to do that. At this point, we have cancelled the, um, the any of the training that was going to happen face-to-face -face for the next month or so. But we're talking with the people that would be facilitating that and exploring alternative ways of making that available. We're still doing a lot of advocacy work, supporting and making submissions to local and central government around issues that are facing our sector. So we're still available should people want to have a conversation with someone about issues that they think need to be thought about. And we're really trying, I guess, one of the things that we're trying to do at the moment is make sense of the overload of information that's hitting all of us around the circumstances that we're in at the moment. There's unique circumstances um, and the implications of that. So trying to make sense of the um, some of the employment strategies that are out there, some of the considerations around that. And community law, for example, have been a very good source of information around what we need to be thinking about as employers. So we're still, really, we're still business as usual, just dressed up differently. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Karen? I just uh, was reflecting this morning with a colleague and reminded of how resilient we are as a sector, the community sector, and how creative we are. And I think one of the things I'd like to acknowledge is the remarkable work that's gone on in the last two weeks around food distribution and um, uh, creative strategies for making sure people have access to shopping and stuff like that. And it just is testimony to how creative and quick to respond we are as a sector. I think civil defence are doing an amazing job, but they wouldn't be able to do that job without all of these community agencies and little community groups getting behind them and being the legs on the ground actually out there um, making a difference in the lives of individuals. Thanks, Karen. The team at Community Waikato are still working hard and ready to help and have more info on their website and are regularly updating their Facebook page. We turn now to our local MP, Barbara Kuriga. I spoke with Barbara last week and was curious for an update on how things have changed for MPs in Parliament. Okay, so Dan, um, literally Parliament itself has stopped in its normal known format, uh, so we're not sitting as, uh, as politicians in the House. Uh, that has been replaced by what we call the Epidemic Response Committee, uh, and that is made up of uh, members of the opposition plus uh, a number of people from uh, Labour, the Greens and New Zealand First as well. Uh, and each day they have a group of uh, experts come in or people in known fields. So yesterday was focused on health, today is focused on the economy, tomorrow's focused on welfare. Uh, so each day has a different theme. And so we are busy uh, feeding in and our spokespeople are busy sort of finding out as much as they can to be able to answer as many questions as possible for the general public. So trying to keep democracy going in a form where we can't all be close to each other. 
parliament is what 120 MPs or so, and yes. a, a relatively small group um, on this committee. What are the rest of the members doing? Well, I can tell you what I've been doing, and I think it would be largely the same as I've been fielding. I mean, initially in the early days, I was fielding a lot of calls from businesses who were wondering how they could get their subsidies. Uh, you know, what was what was happening with the money they were being paid out for their staff members when they had to close their businesses. Um, getting a lot of inquiries. I've had a lot of inquiries. My biggest, one of my biggest issues has been around local butchers. Uh, local greengrocers, local bakeries, you know, how they're able to distribute, because obviously they have to close their shops. Uh, we now know that they can do that online. But a lot of it, and golf clubs, bowling clubs, maintenance, that sort of stuff. So, you know, some issues are becoming sort of bigger than others as we solve some of them. But largely, uh, what I'm doing is my staff are all working from home. Uh, we're all working by phone and computer and we are uh, just trying to solve the queries of people wanting to know what are the rules, uh, how do we apply, uh, how do we get through to government departments and all of those sorts of things. So that's largely taking up uh, a bit of our time. Uh, and for me personally as well, just making sure uh, that I'm keeping an eye on the, the daily updates uh, I'm also watching the Epidemic Response Committee at Parliament as much as possible so that I'm up to speed. Uh, we're having calls with local mayors, uh, with local businesses. We're having quite a lot of um, Zoom calls uh, with those people and with civil defence, just trying to um, you know, make sure that we're all as up to speed uh, as possible with local issues. A big one for me for a while was rubbish in collection in Bennydale, uh, which the Waitomo uh, Council has actually largely dealt with now. So there's just lots of questions in people's minds that we are, um, we're really facil facilitating uh, the, that go-between. Given all that, is there one aspect of this lockdown that's really stood out to you that you, know, you never thought you would be having to think about to such an extent? Yeah, I, um, you know, you when we were chatting before, you mentioned about uh, climate change. And if I look at a post that Lawrence Yule put up on, I think it was Sunday morning, there wasn't a single plane in the air over New Zealand at seven o'clock. And it was, you know, different around the world. But, you know, we're actually, I, the, the, the thing that we're all thinking about is what is life going to look like when we get past this? And, um, you know, the, the lockdown eventually will lift. But I don't, my view is the borders won't uh, lift uh, for quite some time beyond the time that we can all get out and about. Uh, the questions I think in, in my mind going forward are how will communities operate in a different way? You know, local tourism will probably come to the fore. Um, but it's been just really interesting for all of us operating in a different way. The, the, the biggest question now is, um, not just will we come out of lockdown in four weeks, but what will coming out of lockdown look like and and what will New Zealand look like post this? Because, you know, even if we get through this in four weeks largely um, and we have a phase sort of coming out, the rest of the world's still in a pretty bad place at the moment. So life's going to be quite different. Is there something about the long-term changes that you're optimistic about? Yeah, look, I, um, 
You know, I really think, uh, like, there's a lot of things that I think about now. And, you know, out of adversity, sometimes we learn some things. So, you know, we've been in a pretty bad drought in this country. And, you know, farmers need the rain, and we're having a bit of it in New Plymouth today. Um, but also cities, you know, people are really rationing water. Uh, you know, some of the supplies are actually quite low. They're encouraging people to have short showers, all of this sort of thing. You know, just thinking around that... Uh, without that influx of tourism, and look, I'm really, um, you know, concerned for participants in the tourism industry, but some of those uh, water issues for councils might be quite different. Um, you know, we might actually uh, learn some more about, uh, you know, some more working from home, some more flexible hours for people, uh, because, you know, we've actually all learned that we can use Zoom and, and a range of other things and I, I think nothing beats face-to-face -face good long meetings when you need them But actually for short quick meetings, maybe we might do things a little bit differently in the future Thanks, Barbara And if you want to get in touch with Barbara, email barbara.curriga at parliament.govt.nz Sex isn't the first thing we may discuss with COVID, but it is human for some advice on staying sexually safe during lockdown, I had a chat with health promoter Cassidy Tomese. People will be confined together, um, and some of them may be in relationships. As a result, some of them have uh, sexual interactions. Can you give us an idea, because uh, while it's obviously not everybody's first thought when we're talking about coronavirus that we're talking about sex, what are the things, as far as staying sexually safe, that people need to look out for during this period? I think the main thing that people need to be concerned about at this time is really their their own safety and health and well-being for those that um, share the same household um, and also those who share, as Jacinda had coined, live within their bubble. So... The nature of COVID-19 is testing positively exponentially throughout the country at the moment. Um, so the main concern that people really should have is around um, their own, first off, their own safety and the safety of those around them, but also acknowledging that people have <laughs> their own inherent needs um, and desires. And so if people are able to acknowledge um, the caution for safety, um, then I guess the next step from there would be um, looking towards, um, obviously this is assuming that consent has been given by both or more parties, um, and then looking towards contraception and also other um, products that can ensure that safe sex is achieved <laughs> and uh, we've seen a run on the supermarkets and various supplies um, quickly running down as people go to bulk buy um, mm. is it still possible to get condoms and contraceptives uh, so we're planning a statement that they will not be doing any face-to-face -face interactions um, with any of um, the community that require these services. However, um, during this state of emergency, they do provide emergency contraception prescriptions. They also provide contraceptive pill re 
are repeat scripts and they also provide abortion information as well. So those are the, I guess, essential services that are provided from family planning. Um, and these are, you'll need to access their website and fill in a form online um, to be able to book a phone appointment. And this is also, um, I guess, one of the barriers of our health system is that not everyone has access to internet and not everyone has access to a phone. Um, so um, that is, I guess, something to be, um, or something to acknowledge. Um, but also within the supermarkets, you should be able to still buy um, like condoms, lubricants, any other form of, I guess, contraception that you can that you can get. Um, so it is still should be still widely accessible. Mm. Fantastic. And there may be people um, who have fluctuating internet and phone reception as we've seen in recent days. Um, if people, as you said, um, even if people can't access um, those services, are there any key tips um, you want listeners to walk away from words right now? Given the nature of COVID-19 um, and its exponential growth and uh, positive tests throughout the country, it's strongly recommend for um, people to be reconsidering um, their sexual activities or tendencies that they did practice prior to the state of emergency being called. Um, so I talk about um, dating and hookup apps like Tinder, Grindr for um, the MSM community, so men who have sex with men, um, that adhering to the recommendations, recommendations of the Ministry of Health and the Prime Minister to be practising physical distancing. And I say physical distancing because we're not, we shouldn't be saying social distancing. We, we live in a world now where we have technology um, to still have social interactions with people. So physical distancing in order to keep our physical selves safe. And within that, we should also be very um, not concerned but we should be very critical of um, the relationships that we do hold or um, the contact, physical contact that we do have with, um, with people. Um, and just going back to my earlier message and reiterating that you want to be keeping not only yourself safe, but the people who live within your household safe, <clears throat> the people who live within your bubble. If uh, previous sexual partners... Um, live outside of those spheres <laughs> then my recommendation would be to practice that physical uh, distancing uh, not only to keep yourself safe uh, your household and your bubble but also to keep that person safe in their household in their bubble thanks Cassidy Hamilton's Sexual Health and the AIDS Foundation are still operating, but at significantly reduced capacity, meaning the best thing is to stay in your bubble and minimise any risk. Just a side note, bang, 
is a great podcast on RNZ if you're wanting a deep dive into sexuality here in Aotearoa. One word that came up early in that piece was the most important though, consent. If any party doesn't want to engage in an interaction, it needs to stop. If you're in danger, call 111. Additionally, Women's Refuge is still operating. 0800 Refuge or 0800 733 843. And there you go. Thank you, Karen, Barbara and Cassidy. As always, the key indicators of COVID-19 are a dry cough, breathlessness and fever. If you're showing these signs, call Houseline 0800 611 116. If you're having trouble accessing food, medication or other resources, contact the Western Waikato Emergency Operations Centre 0800 800 405. Additionally, the Rural Support Trust is 0800 787 254. That wraps up this episode with the locals. We'll be back next Thursday here on Free FM 89.0 with more info and support. In the meantime, you can hear this and other shows on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search Free FM. I also post updates on the Dan Armstrong Waipaking Country Facebook page. And on that note, thanks for listening. Cheers. Inohora. Raise up, shake them lazy bones. Read the t-shirt but still don't understand. Coming home with a little apocalypse. It comes now. Do you have time for this? A three-tone carpet and a Jackie Chan spear. Looking at a hairdo and a belly full of beer. Well, I ain't no poet, ain't got no rhyme. But I got me a car and I know how to drive.
Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.